For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in New York football podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals and the only place for every New York football team and their fans. Do you believe... I'm your host, Steven Tino Rodriguez, and welcome to another episode of the New York Football Podcast. You can check me out on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, the Believe website, BLEAV.com. On today's show, we're going to talk about Eli Manning's retirement and make his case for the Hall of Fame, why I think the Jets are due to piss off their fan base this offseason, and we touch on both Army and Rutgers' offseason activity. I also give you my best bets for the Super Bowl and my prediction on the big game between the Chiefs and the 49ers. But I begin the show on a sadder note. Although it's a football-focused podcast, I'm taping on Monday the 27th, and the feeling is still fresh for myself as it is for a lot of people. And I can't help but express my thoughts and feelings on the loss of NBA legend Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gigi, and the seven others involved in a horrific helicopter crash in Calabasas on Sunday afternoon. What Kobe meant to not only the game of basketball and the fans, but an entire generation of people like myself who watch him in admiration, inspired to strive for greatness the way he did, and it can't be talked about enough. My earliest memory of Kobe was watching him and Shaq sweep the New Jersey Nets in the finals back in uh, 2002. Watching those two play together with the attitude, dominance, and just swagger was the coolest thing back then as a young kid, <laughs> even though you were watching your own hometown team get handled on the, on the biggest stage of them all. The two of them won three straight titles, that being their second one, and it didn't go unnoticed by anyone my age and across the world. What followed was generations of kids just shooting trash cans in school, uh, shooting at trash cans in school, yelling Kobe. And I even remember being on a basketball court, you know, early on of organized basketball. And when your team didn't want to pass you the ball, or they didn't want to pass the ball to the teammates, be a jock with it, it wasn't calling them a jock. You called them to stop being Kobe, you know, pass the ball to your teammates. And so Kobe had a legendary legacy and go on and on of his Hall of Fame resume um, with the five NBA titles and whatnot. But basketball aside, watching from afar what Kobe was doing post-career was even more astonishing, especially as a father. Kobe won an Academy Award in his first year out of retirement and, you know, continued to strive to be involved in his family and WNBA, help different generations of kids strive to be the next Kobe, whatever it meant, you know, whatever that may be. That included coaching his daughter Gigi at the Kobe Academy, which unfortunately they were traveling to with another set of another set of uh, teammates when the uh, helicopter tragically came down. My prayers go out to all the families involved and can only hope time heals the pain for the tragic loss the world endured. Although it's tough to segue out of this heart heartbreaking story, we're going to try to switch over Giants news and get everyone back in the football groove. You better believe I'm back. 
Once a giant, always a giant, only a giant. Those were Eli Manning's last words as he left the podium on Friday's press conference as he officially retired from the NFL after 16 hard-fought Ironman seasons. Manning goes down 7th all-time in both passing touchdowns, passing yards. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion, two-time Super Bowl MVP, and a Walter Payton Man of the Year. An incredible body of work. And uh, on behalf of all Giants fans, Eli, thank you for, I mean, on my behalf, the only two championships I've ever been able to celebrate as a fan of anything. Um, Just incredible. Went to both parades, and those will be lasting memories I'll always have in the back of my mind. Um, As far as Eli's career, of course, no time did the haters waste to uh, jump on the Eli's on the Hall of Fame bandwagon. But luckily for us Giants fans, we've been prepared for this. Um, Since Eli's first and second Super Bowl, there has been the elite conversation, and there has been, is he better than this? Is he better than that? Look at this, look at that. And it's very easy to try to compare Eli Manning to anyone else and just say he's not that or he's not this. He's not Brady. He's not his brother. He's a, He isn't. Eli is his own version of himself. And for Giant fans, you loved it and you hated it for a while, but you understood it. And you also understood that a lot of these numbers especially the numbers the haters like to talk down on, aren't 100% Eli's fault. He finished at 117 and 117. They love the number. Haters love the number. 500, not a winning quarterback. Nonetheless, more wins than Terry Bradshaw, Jim Kelly, Warren Moon, Troy Aikman, Bart Starr, Steve Young. Played a handful more years, fine. But more wins, okay? And not only did he have more wins, but he had way less to work with. The Giants haven't been competitive over the last six to seven years of Eli's career. They made the playoffs the one time. And as a quarterback, of course, very easy for them to point the finger and say, well, he's the quarterback. That's why they're not winning. But is that the case? You know, I when I think of Eli Manning, I think of dependability. You knew what you were going to get out of him. But a lot of the time, the supporting cast was just lackluster. Just wasn't good. Just wasn't good. And not only that, it's almost astonishing when you think about it, that Manny could even finish at 500. I, I mean, amazing. Since... 2013, they've had one winning record. One. Dating back to 2013. 7-9, 6-10, 6-10, 11-5, 3-13, 5-11, 4-12. 5-11, 4-12. bad. Just bad. And those numbers are telling at the fact that this man had been successful enough And willful enough to get 117 wins. Pulled it through. And was able to rank amongst the best in a category that he very easily, very easily couldn't have. 
So then, fine. The wins are the wins. What else can the haters pick on? Oh, his interceptions. Let's not let's not look at his 366 touchdown passes. Seventh all time. Let's not. 244 interceptions. Oh, just awful. Just awful, right? It's got to be the most. It's got to be the most. Not even top 10. Eli Manning isn't even top 10 in interceptions thrown. Ahead of him, six Hall of Famers, including his brother. Well, that would be seven Hall of Famers because he's not in yet. But six prior. Y.A. Tittle, Dan Marino, Johnny Unitas, Frank Tarkenton, George Blanda, and of course, ahead of them all, Brett Favre. So, haters are going to hate. But to me, it's an open shut case. Eli's getting in the Hall of Fame. His statistics are there. Beating the Patriots twice. Although people like to discount that. It matters. It matters to voters. It matters to the history of the game. History of the NFL. One of five people to be a two-time Super Bowl MVP. And in the matter, he did it. Eli, that postseason, or that season alone, had five fourth-quarter comebacks, including the one in 2011. He had four in the postseason in general, one, one of them being the 2011 Super Bowl and then the 2007 Super Bowl. And he has 27 in total. The guy was the epitome of clutch. So his numbers are there. The quality of man he was was there, a Walter Payton man of the year. He was a winner. And he ranks amongst the best in every category. He is a Hall of Famer. But let's not stop there. Not stop there. I am not satisfied with the thought that he's just a Hall of Famer. Nope, I want to take it a step further. And I went out on a limb, and you could check it out on the Twitter account. It's at NYFootballPod. On Twitter, myself is at uh, Tino Rodriguez with an underscore. Tweeted out that I think his resume is first ballot. I believe it is a first ballot Hall of Fame resume. And I'll tell you why. I looked at the list of first ballot Hall of Famers. And it, it was a serious crowd. For sure, first ballot Hall of Famers on that list. You'd think. But I knew if I looked... I can find I could find a way to plead Manning's case. If this guy got in, Manning is in, no question. And here I provide you with the Troy Aikman defense. I know what you're thinking, and yes. The People's Court theme song was absolutely necessary for this. Let's just take a deeper look into first ballot Hall of Famer Troy Aikman's numbers, shall we? Aikman, similar to Manning, drafted first overall and played with the same team for over 10 seasons. Impressive feat, an impressive feat. Aikman won three total Super Bowls with the Dallas Cowboys, including being the MVP of one of those. A Walter Payton Man of the Year, six-time Pro Bowler. Hmm. Pretty similar numbers. Pretty similar numbers. 
I guess the only thing you can flip-flop is that Eli was a four-time Pro Bowler, you know, which was mostly a popularity contest, and he played for America's team, Aikman did, and a one-time Super Bowl MVP. Now, let's move past the Super Bowls, because most of you guys don't want to hear about that, and let's get down to brass tacks. Aikman's touchdown-to-interception ratio. Hmm. 165 touchdowns to 141 interceptions. Nearly even. Nearly even. Not a lot, but nearly even. Not great. Not great. All right, all right. Let's look at passing yards. Let's look at passing yards. Because that's what people care about, right? The numbers. Even though they don't care about Eli's, let's just take a deeper dive. Aikman. 32,942 passing yards. Nice, not bad. Where's that rank on the all-time list? Hmm, only 38th overall. Ah, but you know, numbers aren't everything. Numbers aren't everything. It's almost crazy when you think about it. How could Aikman win three Super Bowls? Wasn't even that great of a passer. Wasn't that great of a passer. I'm glad you asked. I am very glad you asked. Let's talk about the supporting cast. The same supporting cast I told you Eli had lacked over the years. Over, uh, during Aikman's three Super Bowl runs, he played with a four-time NFL rushing champion and touchdown leader, the 1993 MVP Emmitt Smith, who, by the way, also a first ballot Hall of Famer. Well, I mean, there's no way Aikman could have played with more more first ballot Hall of Famers. Oh, but he did. You had one of the best tackles in the game in Larry Allen. You had prime time Deion Sanders. And that's only first ballot Hall of Famers. You can fit a whole handful of Hall of Famers he played with on those teams. Michael Irvin. And they had a two-time defensive player in the year in Charles Haley, a five-time Super Bowl champion. He had won before he even got to the Dallas Cowboys. You want to know who Eli's list will include? No first ballot Hall of Famers. Because Michael Strahan got robbed of that. But the only person in the Hall of Fame will be Michael Strahan, who, guess what? He only played with in 2007, at least Super Bowl-wise. So it makes you scratch your head a little bit. Makes you scratch your head a little bit. It's interesting. Yeah, Aikman... Played for America's team and was known for winning. He doesn't have more wins than Manning. Doesn't have more passing touchdowns than Manning. Almost has the same amount of interceptions than Manning. Not really, but for the sake of the argument. So if Aikman is walking on in as a first ballot Hall of Famer, having won three Super Bowls for America's team, with Far less comparable numbers than Manning. Manning, who won two Super Bowls playing for the city of New York, the first New York quarterback to do that since the 1920s, and has the numbers, has the longevity, should have played the most games consecutively in NFL history before he got robbed, but nonetheless, never missed a game due to injury. Stopped perfection in its tracks and beat the Patriots twice beat them a second time being the MVP of both games with nowhere near Aikman's supporting cast it 
it is an open shut for me that if Aikman can get in in first ballot, Manning will be knocking on that doorstep very soon. Very soon. Now we're going to switch over to the New York Jets, who had the only player amongst the Jets or Giants to represent the city of New York at the Pro Bowl, which saw the AFC win 38-33, to and the offensive MVP honors went to what should be the potential MVP of the NFL, Lamar Jackson. Adams did all he can uh, in terms of representing the city. He was all over social media, um, was showing out on the field when he could. Obviously, there was no tackling, so his abilities were a little contained. But, you know, as I watched Adams on the field, I couldn't help but have this thought that something's coming from the Jets. They've been too quiet, and something's coming soon. And when I mean something's coming, last episode I talked about the relationship with Le'Veon Bell. Something I did not mention is the relationship with Jamal Adams. Adams, infamously, was almost traded, uh, which he was very vocal about. And he's very disappointed about because he felt like there was a lot of talk going on behind him, behind his back. And it wasn't just Adams, or it wasn't just Bell. There were other players cited saying that the Jets' communication was lacking. So much so, at the end of the season, ESPN's Rich Samini put out an article talking about how GM Joe Douglas is vowing to improve communication with players in 2020. Yeah, we'll see about that. Adam Gase is doing a glaring job at helping that with his transparency. My gut is telling me the Jets not only are going to have a rough year this year under Gaze, but when the going gets tough, they're going to trade one of their best players in either Jamal Adams or Le'Veon Bell, which is surely something Jet fans may be prepared for, but if I were a Jet fan, wouldn't really like to hear. Because it's not either of their faults. And it's not Darnold's fault either. There is a lack of communication that is glaring from a football aspect to a player personnel aspect. And that's from the top down. And when you have confusion like that, and when you have just a lack of transparency between a team, whether it's with play calling, decision making, and in terms of putting their name out there for trades, It's a recipe for disaster, and watching Jamal Adams get along with everyone on that field and communicate, he showed he was the type of guy who leads a team, and he's been very vocal about that. He's an all-pro safety, and the Jets would be foolish to trade either Bell or him, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did it. I wouldn't be surprised. For Jets fans' sake, I hope you get the boatload for either, if and when it happens. But prepare for the worst and hope for the best. With that said, we're going to switch over to college football and check in on Rutgers football, who are hot on the recruiting trail. Um, No confirmed updates, but if you check their social media, they are everywhere. 
Shiano and his assistants are putting in the work, and they're really trying to win this New Jersey recruiting battle, which is great news for any RU fans. And uh, while we're on the topic of RU, shout out to RU basketball. Uh, Rutgers is ranked in the top 25 for the first time ever and have the best home record in the nation. They defeated Nebraska this past weekend, 75-72, to on a crazy Geo Baker three-pointer with one second left. They went to 14-0 and at home, and that's just exciting news for Scarlet Knights fans everywhere. Well, whether you just like football, if you believe in RU, it's great news to hear they're back in the talks among, amongst the nation's best teams, regardless of sport. Um, back to football news, though, over at Army West Point, the Black Knights made a hire over the weekend, bringing back Saga Tuatelli as the offensive line coach. Tuatelli worked with Army back in 07-08, and since that time has been one of the best offensive line coaches in terms of college, ba- uh, college football in the nation. Uh, he was the O-line coach at Cal Poly, and they led the FCS in rushing for three consecutive seasons from 14 to 16, went over to be the run game coordinator and offensive line coach for New Mexico State from 16 to 19, and in this last season was named interim head coach when New Mexico had parted ways with their head coach. So an experienced hire for the Black Knights and a familiar hire. And welcome aboard, Coach Huatelli. I'm excited to see what you can bring to the Black Knights and somehow improve a team that already finished top three in the nation in terms of rushing guards per game. I'm sure they may finish as, as the best team in the nation when this is all said and done. Also, shout out to the Army basketball team. Go Army, beat Navy. The Black Knights took down the midshipmen 73-66 to and picked up their fourth consecutive win. Uh, the Black Knights having a bit of a down year on the basketball court Always an important win to beat Navy. So congratulations to the Black Knights on defeating the midshipmen. And uh, go Army. We're going to switch out of college football and basketball now as I get you guys ready for this upcoming Sunday Super Bowl against the slightly favored Kansas City Chiefs and the slightly underdog San Francisco 49ers. Um, I'm going to give you guys my best bets and my prediction on the game. But first... Going to reintroduce a segment that I showed on last episode, but in case you missed it, this is called Show Me the Money. Show me the money. Show me the money. Yes! Louder! Show me the money. That's it, brother. But you got to yell last time. Show me the money. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money. So, for anyone new to Show Me the Money, this is the segment where I give you guys my best money-making tips I have to offer, walk you through each of my best bets, why I think one side is going to win over the other, and just kind of give you some wild card plays that, you know, they'll be dart throws but might pay out and work out in your favor. So I'll begin with my best bets, and it works into my prediction, which I'll save for the end, but I'm rolling with the Chiefs here. Um, it is the third lowest spread in a Super Bowl ever at a point and a half. With the spread sitting that low, you know it's going to be a neck-and-neck close game throughout. Um, with that said, 
It's low enough that doesn't scare me away, but I'd rather play it safe, chew some dollars and cents off the line, and just take the Chiefs' money line at minus 122, pay up just to play it safe. I feel confident enough that the Chiefs should win by more than a point and a half. But the spread is a tricky game, and with it sitting that low, it would uh, it would be gut-wrenching to come out with the correct end of the Super Bowl and lose by half a point. So I'm going to ride with the Chiefs' money line. I had a futures bet on them at plus 850 that I put in at around week 12. Obviously, my only futures bet to have stayed through to this point. So I am pulling for the Chiefs on multiple ends. But with that said, I think it's going to be very close. I think the 49ers are the more complete team, especially on the defensive end. But in my opinion, I think Mahomes has the juice. And I think he's going to keep this comeback flow going. And it'll be a thrilling Super Bowl win for the Chiefs, and Mahomes will start to solidify his legacy. With that said, the 49ers will be competitive in this game, and the Chiefs have a vulnerable defense to score touchdowns on. So, two anytime scores on the 49ers side that I'm really keying in on. I like George Kittle, anytime scorer at plus 125. Make a quick double up and some on your money. That's a bet where if the 49ers are going to be competitive at all, which this line says they will be, they have to wear Kittle. He is their leading receiver. Of course, they have Debo Samuel and Emmanuel Sanders, but those are guys that are very ticky-tacky in a sense where wherever Kyle Shanahan uses them, Debo might only get reverses all day or he might get some screens, and Sanders have been a little bit distant during this playoff run. I feel Kittle is a guy who hasn't made much noise in the postseason, but is by far their best receiving option. And this game is going to come down to Jimmy G one way or another. And I think when it comes down to that, he's going to be looking for Kittle, especially when they're in the red zone. Um, I think Kittle is a guy that is definitely going to get some goal line looks and some end zone receptions. So hopefully he falls in and catches that one for you guys. Another one I had in my wild card plays, but I'm moving it up to a best bet. Because it just gets me excited. Um, For anyone who has watched 49ers football knows they're one of the rare teams to use a fullback. And so with Tevin Coleman being their goal line guy, questionable for the Super Bowl, everyone is leaning towards Raheem Mostert, deservingly so. And for a second, I was like, oh, maybe Matt Breida. But no, here's what I'm thinking. If they get close enough, they're going to feed the ball to Kyle Juszczyk. He may only get one touch or maybe a play-action rollout and they just find him short of the end zone. They also might do the same thing with Kittle where they fake the run and dump it to him, but they do like to use Juszczyk in the offense. And as an anytime scorer at plus 850, it's the Super Bowl. Sprinkle 5 to $10 on it, make close to 50 as a payout. I mean, that's, that, that's fun money. That's why you play the game, right? So that's something I like alongside with Kittle anytime score. And then in terms of the Chiefs, what I'm looking at for scoring bets is I'm going to double my money here, or at least the odds, and take Kelsey to score and the Chiefs to win at plus 200. Now, I looked into how the 49ers have lost 
their games this season. The three games they had and where they were most vulnerable. And two out of three of them featured the team's premier tight end in the Ravens, Mark Andrews, and Seattle's Jacob Hollister scoring touchdowns that factored into the game because it was a way for them to avoid the corners, fake people out with the run game, and get those linebackers having to cover those big athletic tight ends, which Kelsey happens to be the best of the best at. So I like Kelsey to score his fourth postseason touchdown for the Chiefs, and I like the Chiefs to win. With that said, I do think the 49ers defense will be able to get to Mahomes at least a few times, which leads me to my last and final best bet. Um, You can find these odds on DraftKings. It is over a half a sack for Nick Bosa, who is in the running for not only defensive rookie of the year, but defensive player of the year. After putting together nine sacks for the 49ers, he has three more this postseason and he's listed at plus 117 to uh, result a sack in the game. And that's just, it seemed like a wild card bet for me at first, especially when you take a look at all the lo- odds listed for pass rushers on DraftKings. Most of them are in positive odds. But for me, it was either Nick Bosa or Eric Armstead who led the Chiefs, uh, led the 49ers with 10 sacks. Either or, Armstead is listed at plus 135. He has two sacks this postseason. But either of them, for me, fit the description for the man who's going to be able to get to Mahomes and uh, provide the San Francisco 49ers defense a breather uh, against that high-powered offense. That's the only way the 49ers will be able to keep this game close is if that defensive line can slow down Mahomes in some way. And if that's the case, a few guys will result into sacks, especially a guy like Nick Bosa. So... Nick Bosa is my last best bet at plus 117 to record a sack. I also like Eric Armstead to result a sack in himself at plus 135. My final bet for you guys before my Super Bowl prediction is a wild card bet, a bit of a dart throw that could work out in your guys' favor that can also be found on DraftKings. It's Total players to attempt to pass, and it's over two and a half. The odds are listed at plus 124. And when I initially saw this, I was very interested in it, mainly because I had a good feeling a trick play would be used in this game uh, by either creative coach Andy Reid or Kyle Shanahan. But I also thought deeper and All it takes to cash this bet, two players, two quarterbacks start, an injury could decide it, and you could cash this ticket. You just need one pass to be attempted from anyone other than the two starting quarterbacks, essentially, which, to me, is a better bet when you hope for a trick play than an injury, but it's very possible, especially when you think about how trick plays have uh, been very memorable in past Super Bowls especially when you think about like the Philly special, think about Antoine Randall L with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so I looked in a little deeper. The Chiefs haven't attempted a trick play yet this season in terms of uh, another player throwing a pass, but would be the ultimate element of surprise. On the other side, the 49ers actually have had two different players complete passes. 
Two attempts, two completions, both for over 15 yards, and one of them from Emmanuel Sanders resulted in a 35-yard touchdown. So something that's not out of the question for either coach to try to call, and this isn't even counting completions. All you need is an attempt aside from the two starting quarterbacks. I like that play as a exciting dart throw um, and definitely good for a double up. So with that said, it's time for the prediction. And uh, of course, you know, I'm leaning towards the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm taking a money line. My prediction will have them covering. Now, the real question is, do I like the over? Do I like the under? My prediction, 30 to 27. I changed my mind from the last podcast. I thought it would be a touchdown game. I could see some field goals being kicked here. I see some defensive uh, strongholds trying to stand their ground. So I'm going to go 30-27 Chiefs. That'll cover the 54-point over, which has risen over the last two weeks. And um, hopefully you guys listen, tail, and uh, win some money along with uh, myself on the Kansas City Chiefs. If not, if you're betting against me, good luck. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Hope you eat lots of wings. And uh, thank you guys for uh, listening in. Again, you could follow the account on Twitter at NYFootballPod. You can follow myself on Instagram and Twitter. Instagram is at Steven Rodriguez with an underscore. On Twitter, I am at Tino Rodriguez with an underscore. Download, like, subscribe. Uh, We're on Apple Music, Spotify. Uh, Check it out on the Believe website. Thank you guys for coming out. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Talk to you next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.